Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 169, episode 4 of The Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is Thursday, January 28th, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. I show my thighs. I'm blind, the guest, <laughs> here to record the pod that's the best. Because my name is Jack O'Brien. I'm gonna host the pod called Daily Zeitgeist. Uh, that is courtesy of Johnny Davis uh, off of Spirit in the Sky, which we discussed on yesterday's episode. Uh, and I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray! Today is the greatest day I've ever known. Can't wait till tomorrow because Trump's all gone. We wanted him out, so we voted him out. how the song goes. Shout out to Coffee Khaleesi on Twitter for that Billy Korg Smash Pumpy, a.k.a. Yeah, great. My friend's older sister was in that video. Oh, really? Yo, that shit was legendary at my school. They're like, yo, Carrie's in the video. (laughs) (laughs) One in the wheel, in the rubber tire. (laughs) Were you, uh, you were a smash puppy? Uh, when the smash pumpies were out there, were you a a fan? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, (laughs) and the melancholy and the infinite sadness, when I had some heartaches in college, Mm. I was fucking screaming at my radio to that one. Mm. Uh, But then, you know, after that, not not much. Not haven't really kept up with them since Billy Corgan went <laughs> took a right turn. Yeah, hard right. Yeah. Uh, well, we are thrilled to be joined by the hilarious and talented Mr. Mike Drucker. Hello, hello. I didn't know singing would be involved, so oh. I didn't plan anything. Well, that's that. Now we started off on a on the wrong foot, Mike. <laughs> I did kind of though, like I, I kind of wanted. I thought it would be funny if you guys just kept switching back and forth between songs and never introduced me. Like you did that for ninety minutes, right. and that was just a huge prank. And, and then we like, just oh, end, right. end the show, more like, so what'd you think, man? <laughs> <laughs> Are any of those any good? Could we sell those? Yeah, sure. Hey, man, you some WGA awards. What do you think from that perspective? <laughs> Get a variety award off that, off the strength of that. That thing. Oh man, that trophy is so ugly. It's such an ugly trophy. <laughs> uh all right yeah thank you for being on i'm a big fan of of you on twitter uh which is a platform we are both on uh we are going (laughs) we're gonna get to know you a little bit better in a moment and uh i'm going to ask you to explain uh the stock market to me uh just bare bones uh but first we're going to talk about a couple of things we're talking about in addition to uh reddit coming for wall street uh and me just failing to understand (laughs) how that works uh we're going to talk about uh acquittal to fascist boogaloo where we're standing on that we're going to talk about fox's strategy how their uh what their angle is heading into the biden administration the james bond movie is being delayed again uh so we'll talk about that we'll talk about ellen maybe uh if we get to it We'll talk about the Hall of Presidents at Disney World. All of that, plenty more. But first, Mike, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? My, uh, <laughs> well, okay. So I uh, re- released a book about a video game yesterday. And so my last few searches are like, Mike Drucker, Silent Hill 2, Mike Drucker, Silent Hill 2 review. So it's really narcissism. <laughs> like my most recent search history is narcissism about whether people hate a book about a video game or not. Right. Uh, Go ahead, Miles. Oh, no, I was going to say, uh, the the Silent Hill 2, I mean, I, I feel like everybody likes it based on yeah. the, I've seen passively about you know, your writings on what you, I mean, Silent Hill 2 is one of those games where, like, I didn't realize what I had till after the fact. <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly right. It's so oh, good. Yeah, and like, I, yeah, I haven't, I'm, I'm definitely going to read it. Part of me was like, damn, I should have asked him to, I wanted to read that shit before he came on. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm so... People like it. People are fucking with the vision. Um, do you think, but for something like when you write about a video game that you love and like its place, 
Yeah. Do other people's opinions re- can they really affect you at that point? Because you have to be so like you're like you're so secure in what your statement is that it's like get that out of here. You're not seeing the matrix like I am. Um. Yeah. Some uh, sometimes. I mean, it also sometimes helps you expand a bit. Like you know, there's times I've seen people's opinions where I'm like, oh, I didn't think of that specific thing, and that's a good point. So it it doesn't like make me dislike it. It's not like if someone's like this game. Like a lot of the reviews at the time it came out were kind of lukewarm and saying it wasn't as good as the first one. So it doesn't affect my opinion, but I do like hearing what other people think because it was a divisive game at the time. And the name of the book is Silent Hill 2. Yep. <laughs> you just yep. went with the name. <laughs> you just kind of pitched the name. <laughs> Can you just like kind of pitch the idea of the book to, to our listeners real quick? Oh, sure. Um, it's this. Uh, a lot of listeners might be more familiar with those oh, 33 and a third books, and each one's about a specific album. And mm. this is kind of that, but it's a line of books called Boss Fight Books, and each book is about a different video game. Nice. Um, so this is the 27th book in the series, and the only one I've written. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Just to be clear, I didn't write all 27. Right, right, right. Nice. Uh, all right. What is something you think is underrated? Um, underrated, I think, are uh, like desk accessories. I think people just throw random things on their desk, and I think you really need to cultivate it. You, if if you have like fifty Funko Pops, it's bad. If you have <laughs> nothing on your desk, you look crazy. It's it's a really careful cultivation process that I'm still working on. Yeah, I don't know why that was my first thought, but it was. I think because I'm always in my bedroom at my desk that I'm like, I spend so much time thinking about this. Yeah, looking at the same thing basically, yeah. <laughs> like that is your reality is the desk. Exactly. Um, what do you well, what do you have on your desk? Let's do a little show and tell. What do you got? Oh, uh, let's see. Show and tell. All right. Now it's a little messy now because I moved things around to set up to record, but I have a uh Ninja Turtles little melted popsicle. Oh, I remember that pop. Whoa. Nice ice cream I with ice yeah. balls. Got got that. I got uh let's see. I have a cardboard Nintendo Labo keyboard oh shit damn yep yeah yeah and then i have a pac-man arcade machine (laughs) whoa wow so i get it we get it we're not going to question your game your interest in gaming based on yeah please don't question my that that is the one thing i you can solidly say i have an interest in your 80s 90s baby culture with the with the with the teenage mutant ninja Turtle ice cream i have uh weed (laughs) uh weed Yep, good, good, good. Weed. Yep, also uh, good. Uh, a grinder. Honestly, all better than mine so far. <laughs> this is better than mine. Then I have a miniature sloth. <laughs> In which is also weed. Yeah, which is a weed. And then this, uh, <laughs> this thing that's like a snail, but it has an edamame thing as its shell. <laughs> is, that a, is that art? Is that like something Yo, I got it out of a gachapon machine in Japan? So gachapon is like a, it's like a thing you get in Japan. You put a, like 100 yen, 200 yen and you twist it out. A plastic toy comes out. And when I go out there, you know, on my annual trips, I'm typically have a handful of change. And I'm like, let's say hey, I'm going to hit this gachapon really quick. And so I got this sloth and my little snail <laughs> and my character. So those it's are like so my up. art pieces next to my weed. Um, I guess it's up to me now to uh, yeah. complete the. I've got a uh, roll of tape. Yeah. Uh, yeah okay. So, uh, got a empty coffee mug. <laughs> uh, some rolled up paper towel. <laughs> yep. Uh, of course. Pack of gum. Glasses. Uh, so na- nailing it, and also a old Mac that I'm supposed to. Uh, clear off but oh that iMac from 2000 fucking what is that that was my first computer when I started cracked was this computer and it's it I just plugged it in for the first time in like 12 years and it still works and has all this stuff on it so I think we're I'm gonna give it away but clear it off yeah I I feel like old Macs weirdly do well on eBay like people do they really I, I feel like I looked up like an old laptop once and they they don't like go full price or anything, but they I feel like they go weirdly well on eBay. Huh? Yeah, I had somebody I, I for like a production I did. I had an old iMac, like an OG, like launch when they have flavors. I had a blueberry iMac that I my mom just does not throw shit away. And I remember I needed a prop for this like video we were doing. I was like, oh, let me get this. I had three people at this convention offer me cash for it. Like, really? And it was like. 
exorbitant sums of money, but three people were like, oh my God, that can I, can I buy that off of you? I love like old, like retro turn of the century Mac stuff. Turn of the century. (laughs) (laughs) When I was in Denmark, I went to the design of like Danish design museum. The iMac is in there, Linux in exhibit, like to be like heralded as like this real like turning point in design. So I was like, damn, like maybe, maybe we were sleeping on that, but Mm. I need I need some the, this is a new desk for me in the past like few weeks and I need to need to spruce it up a little bit g- yeah. give it a little bit of personality cuz yeah. right now it yeah, is purely some- task oriented and garbage oriented yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh I also have a uh, just real like old Ralph's shopping bags that I throw my trash in just hanging from the mic stand yeah. uh so really I'm not I'm not following the uh, the path <laughs> that, that one should be to keep their space from polluting their brain. Yeah. Um, but hey, the, this hey. is a good reminder, and I appreciate it, Mike. Uh, what is something you think <laughs> is overrated? Um, I had trouble thinking of something that's overrated. Uh, but one thing that I think is overrated because I'm scared of it's owning a house. I feel like I'd rather prefer to think of it as like, that's overrated than actually engage in something that terrifies me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm being too honest. I should have been like Star Wars. Like I should have (laughs) just, instead I was like, I don't know, having a baby. Is that overrated? (laughs) Let's talk about it. Yeah. I'm going too deep. I'm sorry. What city are you in, Mike? New York? I'm in New York. Yeah. Because I feel like, did you, where did you grow up? I grew up in South Florida though. Oh, okay. So, because I feel like I know like people who like I have friends who grew up in New York who have the very like that block of like a yeah. home thing. But yeah, it has the city changed your outlook on that? Like, has that influenced your feeling of it being overrated or? I think it's more uh, that my parents were bad with money when I was a kid. And so for me, I was always like, what's the point of doing this? It just <laughs> right. seems like it doesn't. You know, it seems like you don't really own the house. Not right. realizing my parents were very bad with money at that moment in time. <laughs> yeah. That it wasn't like it wasn't just like the bank showing up being like, hey, guys, we decided we want this. <laughs> <laughs> we want it back. Give it back. Right. They're like, this right. is overrated, mom. We should not be doing this. As a kid, that's how I felt. Like, I was almost like, why do we own? Why did you buy this? (laughs) So I think it's like, it's less that it is really overrated, but something that, like, in my head almost, I always hit a mental block on. And I'm like, no, nobody, that's not real. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I just love that idea. Yeah, they, I don't know why they kept making the same mistake. (laughs) (laughs) But really, that's how I felt. Yeah. Well, that's also the speaks of the power of like how much of our financial literacy and idea of finances just comes from our parents. Like I have parents who didn't make a lot of money, but also didn't talk about it. So I just grew up being like, I don't know. I think you work. And then (laughs) and then like you could have a kid, but I can't always have new shoes. So there's levels to it. Like, But no one was like, (laughs) you got to save. And my dad, like not till I was uh, out of college, I was like. Yeah, man, like the second I got married, I started saving for your college. I was like, oh, what? Nice. Motherfucker, nice. I never, you didn't tell me. I'm I'm sitting here with $9,000 sneakers on, and you're telling me now I got to save? <laughs> Fuck. I'm all fucked up. $9,000 sneakers? No, I don't have no $9,000. I mean, well, you think I was at the fucking inauguration in those Dior yeah. Jordans? No. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm... Fully financially illiterate, as we're about to learn when we discuss uh, <laughs> Wall Street. Uh, <laughs> you went I, big on GameStop. To huh? the point that uh, I, I'm very similar with Wall Street. I like resent Wall Street. I'm like, this is all yeah. just like made up yeah. lingo bullshit. Fuck off. Uh, I and too. I feel like a lot of America's that way. And that's where uh, some of this is coming from. But let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about that. And we're back. Uh, And so I I read an article this morning, which is where my entire understanding of this comes from, uh, (laughs) on Bloomberg.com that uh, covers this story from a Wall Street perspective with like amused tolerance. It's like they keep commenting on the juvenile tone of the subreddit and like making fun of the spelling errors. But zoom out real quick. Let people know what we're even talking. Because most people like... I, this only started began people started talking about in the last day and I'm, if you're not fully right. have your ear to the internet you might not know what happened right, right. 
So yeah, uh, Miles, uh, the floor is yours. Why don't you explain? Oh it to yeah, <laughs> as the resident guy who just admitted he knows fuck all about finances, I'm gonna toss this hot potato over to Michael Drucker. Oh hello, hello. Uh, now keep in mind that I'm gonna explain some of this wrong. So someone will listen to this and go, "That's not what's happening," and that's okay. You're right. Yeah, and oh, um, so you have been on a podcast before. So basically, GameStop, the stock itself, has been suffering for about a decade because nobody wants to buy video games in person anymore. People order games off Amazon. They order them digitally. You know, people wait in line for a PlayStation 5, but GameStop, if you've been inside, is sort of a dying store. Yeah. So the stock price over the last decade or so has gone down super low to the point where I think it was somewhere like in the single digits at one point. But right before this, it was, I think, like $17 or so. And there's this Reddit uh, group called uh, Wall Street Bets. And what Wall Street bets is, is basically them saying, like, them picking stock, just sort of like an informal Reddit group full of stock memes. But they kind of encourage each other to do things. And what they sort of realized was, because GameStop stock is so bad, that a lot of hedge funds were shorting it. And uh, shorting it is where I'm bad at explaining things. Basically, it's what happens kind of in trading places. Uh, yeah, they gamble. That's my best explanation. Yeah. They put a bet that it will go down, that it will yeah. lose money. It's basically putting your money on them losing. Right. You're saying basically, I will buy it for full price because it will whatever. Um, yeah. And then, the, so what they did was uh, the Reddit thread. They decided let's all buy it. So kind of like a legal pump and dump scam, sort of like back in the day when people would try to pump penny stocks up by like everyone buy the penny stocks and then they dump them immediately. Um, that's what they did. They pumped up GameStop stock, and because they were all buying it, everyone starts buying it, and as is the case with the stock market, because nothing makes sense, the more people who bought it, the more people were willing to spend on it, to the point where it's now worth, like, $300. Um, what that did was it basically bankrupted a bunch of hedge funds that were, like, did not expect to have to owe $300 per stock of GameStop (laughs) stock that they bought for $17, or bought even cheaper, or whatever. So, uh, yeah, they owe a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the hedge funds do, which uh, now the conversation uh, that you're seeing is like the Biden administration is thinking about like bail or at least considering the question of whether they should bail out some of these hedge funds, which I so the thing that is exciting to me about this is not I don't think it's a good a good time to now invest in GameStop because no, right, no, I, no, 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 no. It, it seems like that's that's how some people are taking it and uh it seems like the jig is up a little bit like the people yeah, yeah like once it becomes a national news story that's when it's probably not a good idea to to put your money on it but just the idea that a stock valuation can be completely independent <laughs> from reality yeah. uh, is something that I think we, it, it's almost like it works as a, as satire of like what has <laughs> happened in the stock market for the past year uh, with, with the pandemic and businesses like downsizing, yeah. going out of business, firing people, uh, you know, it being for the average American, one of the worst economic times ever. And then the stock market being at its peak, like peaking yeah. and not, you know, taking any of the damage on. And so like the idea that they were like, let's just do that, but to one stock and fuck over some of the people who've been benefiting off of that, like in a very vague way where yeah. I don't understand any of the dynamics. Uh, super producer on a understands the stock market and has kind of tried to explain it to me. <laughs> and I, uh, my brain resists it. It's like, I'm allergic to, uh, understanding it, but yeah. it's, uh, they're, they're just in a ter- in a broad narrative sense. The mm-hmm. idea that they are uh, satirizing the stock market while putting a bunch of billionaires uh, in financial trouble is is interesting to me. Yeah. yeah. The secondary thing is watching like the FOMO play out though, because that's where it gets <laughs> dicey. You know, like like I was saying before we went on mic, like there are also in all the numerous interviews that came out of the story like there were people who saw what happened monday when it was like when it was already taking off and got in or like i put in 
all of my savings and I put $14,000 into it. And then they realized where they were at and they're like, oh shit, they had to sell it off and they ended up losing like 600 bucks. But they're saying like, if I hadn't actually realized that, I would have lost all of my money trying to just play this like, like not knowing enough about the stock market and just seeing what I saw on Reddit and reacting to that. So it's a definitely, it's interesting to see who, who can benefit from it, who gets sort of like sucked into the momentum of like wanting to play the game without knowing. And then yeah, yeah. Ana Hosnier uh, was trying to explain to me this morning, like what it, it made me think of. So in Shawshank Redemption, when Andy Dufresne like locks himself in the office and plays the music, even though he knows he's going to get his ass kicked by the warden, it's kind of like that is like how I think of what they're doing is they're like, <laughs> fuck these people. And we know it's going to blow up in our face. But there's a lot of people who are now getting in and who are going to lose their, their money. So it's almost like if everybody who heard the music also got the shit kicked out of them, which makes that scene <laughs> not quite as cool. It's like not great if he's risking everybody else's safety. Right. No, exactly. And also like, you know, there's people on that Reddit thread who were in early enough where they made a crazy amount right. of money and they're probably, I would get out right now as the fools are coming in. It's, right. it's really, it is, there's, like, I'm not as worried about those Redditors as I am worried about, like, our parents and grandparents who are like, oh, I remember GameStop. GameStop. <laughs> All right, I'll put, yeah. put $8,000. You know what I mean? Like, that's what worries me. Yeah. I mean, but. Wall Street is inherently predatory, and there's always, there always has to be a, somebody who's a loser, right? right. Who's going to lose out and... I you can almost guarantee that it's not going to be the hedge fund billionaires in the end, like yeah, it may right. be in the short run. Or they uh, cynically start like co-opting this Reddit to start manipulating the markets through like redditors. <laughs> you know what I mean? And really be like, no, but this is how we're going to make moves. This is the new game, right? <laughs> I mean, really, Reddit. that's pos- that's possible too. Is people just go, okay, this is what I got to do. I create a persona online and try to pump right. my own stocks. Yeah, I mean, like it is sort of the, I think the people in that subreddit would hope like, well, they couldn't learn to like authentically, like it's the sort of authenticity thing uh, where that's the thing you can't fake that corporations are constantly trying to fake, like trying to (laughs) find a way to sponsor people who speak authentically and who uh, communicate meaning to people authentically. But yeah, I, I think the overall reason people are super excited about this is because it seems like what like a a very real sort of dynamic illustration of the haves and have nots and like that the breakdown in what the stock market is supposed to do which is rep, you know represent value in some real world way and now it's currently like a game being played by mostly very wealthy people and they're able to fix the rules to insulate themselves from uh, you know, any sort of representations of value. I just want to read what Anna wrote, like explaining what shorting is. Uh, and so she said, shorting is when you borrow shares and then you sell immediately in which then you can grab them later for a lower price, give them back to who you borrowed them from originally. And then you pocket the difference. Like that couldn't be further from making sense to me. <laughs> I'm so yeah. dumb when it comes to that. This market watch story is not helping when I Google what is sharing sharing. <laughs> and that's why I'm like, fuck it. I'm gonna I'm gonna just deal with meme stocks now for the lols. <laughs> I I yeah, I've had shorting explained to me so many times, including in movie form by Adam McKay. And yeah. I it, it's almost like looking at a photograph in Westworld where I'm just like this doesn't look like anything to me like I don't understand right. it like my brain just goes like no this isn't a thing right yeah 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 it's interesting because this uh, Bloomberg article is like the way they make sense of this story is all about like uh, them having these big breaks where it's revealed that uh, some influential investor was actually long on GameStop. And that's like where these surges are coming from instead of like, they really under underrate the idea that it's just like kind of being done. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Like every, it's like every established power group 
it's like that. It could be even in politics. Like, was it activists? I don't know. Who, who, who yeah. knows? Who yeah, knows? Exactly. And actually, I think it was actually because Joe Biden was so appealing. Yeah, you forget <laughs> about that. So let's let's ignore that. Maybe there are other things that could threaten the power structure. <laughs> right. Um. But yeah, I mean, if they do bail out hedge funds, like I think, oh, then this story becomes. <laughs> More significant because then it becomes an even greater affront to the, or just like a greater illustration of the disconnect there. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they are, I, I forget who wrote it on Twitter, but somebody was like, so they've owed us $2,000 and haven't been able to get that out, but you know, they're going to manage to bail these hedge funds out the next week. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it shows you who has a like a louder voice in these people's ears. You know what I mean? Like yeah. That that's what you're competing against. And when you have a ton of people, like when politicians are surrounded by these people, they think that's what the world is. It's um, like this saying I made up: uh, "Money talks" is a thing. Oh yeah, that's I, a I like shit walks. Thanks. Yeah. Might Thank use you that. Guys. <laughs> hey, can I? Uh, use <laughs> let, let's talk uh, acquittal, because uh, or you know impeachment. Uh, yeah. But yeah. it's yep. looking like acquittal to fascist boogaloo. Yeah, we talked on uh, a couple days ago on trending uh, that 45 senators voted for a motion that was basically saying Trump's second impeachment wasn't constitutional because, uh, you know, he's out of office. The heck, <laughs> he's already out. He's a private he's citizen. Been... Leave him alone, you guys. Hasn't he been through enough? <laughs> That's glitchy. What? Has, hasn't he been through enough bodies? Like, what, do you mean? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? So, yeah, because of that, we talked about that means 12 Republicans are going to have to emerge from the depths of Hades to try and reclaim their humanity in order to actually convict the president or ex-president in a Senate trial. Um, uh, I don't know if that that's going to work because it seems like the the party is getting behind Trump again based on a lot of the like recent polling. And, you know, John Thune, he's a Republican senator. He said, you know, just because we voted on the constitutionality of the impeachment isn't going to necessarily bind us to a vote to convict. And I'm like, sure, Jan. <laughs> okay, uh -huh. buddy. That's that's nice to say out loud to try and pretend you're not just some craven asshole, but that's what it right. is. And yeah, so now the impeachment managers and Trump's defense, they have until February 8th to get their arguments and everything in order. But like, you know, I think the one thing people... The positive outlook on this possibility of Republicans coming around is like, well, maybe if the evidence is so fucked up and putrid and irrefutable, they will. These power hungry boot throaters will actually figure out that this isn't the way to go. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think it's happening. I mean, some of the Republicans even said things like, you know, like uh, we're not seeing we're not seeing anything from witnesses. And it's like, you guys were there. You were there. <laughs> you were right there. Like, what are yeah. you talking about? You saw that you heard it. What do you mean? There's no right. witnesses. <laughs> you experience. Actually, maybe you shouldn't even be participating if that's what you said. Right. <laughs> you need more information on the fact that your lie, your safety was threatened by insurrection. Oh, OK, OK. Um, Can't we just let it go, man? Yeah. Let it go. Oh. My God, it's... move on. This is not good for the country. <laughs> but what's um, fucked up is that fucking strategy is going to work. They're going to, can we just move on their way through an, a, this fucking coup attempt? And mm -hmm. have, like most people have been screaming, check the receipts of history. This doesn't, yeah. this doesn't end with them coming back in 10 years being like, Yo, we were so wrong. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we're actually, you know what we're going to do? We want, we're volunteering ourselves to go to jail for that. Cause that was so messed up. What we did. Mm -hmm. Like that ain't happening. They're coming, they're going to knuckle up and go in the lab and get smarter and come back and figure out a way to do it. You know, by hacking the system of governance this is how it works. Yep. But, yep. What, there know, has been well, evidence, right? That there, it, there was more coordination. Has anything come of that? Have there been any additional developments that of, like who was involved on the inside in like beyond um, just Trump giving the speech? There's a there's a couple Congress people, the people in Congress who especially uh, I forget her name, but Lauren one of Boebert. the QAnon, one of the two QAnon ones. Yeah, uh, she's been accused of like giving people that were at the protest a right. tour of Congress beforehand. 
Um, and also, like, two of them have been, like, they have a history of posting things like, we want to kill Nancy. Like, the, one of them liked a post about killing Nancy Pelosi. Um, another has, like, they've both written online believing in Q and all the violence against Democrats that would involve. So there's kind of evidence that they helped, but it's not, like, direct photographic evidence that they helped. Yeah. And I think because <clears throat> there's so many ongoing investigations that are being kept so close that, like, I don't know when we're actually going to understand the totality of everything. Like, yeah. I think one thing is seeing, I think more recently is about all of the video shows how Proud Boys were very much fundamental in really getting people riled up and being like the focal point of a lot of like these points of contact and entry. Um, and the fact that they've been so chummy with Roger Stone and the and the Republican, you know, establishment that, you know, you can there's inferences that can be made. But I don't know. That's why I'm like curious what happens February 8th, what we learn more, what they present, because if if they're only going to be like, hey, uh, I, as I present this case, uh, the prosecution says y'all were there, right? <laughs> All right. Yeah. The, the prosecution rests. If we do that, it's fucking not not good and i hope that you're gonna come harder than that because yeah, these so. people are are you know so willing to just shut their brain off and be like i don't know what you're talking, i don't know what the hell that is right jane mm -hmm. i'm sorry january 6th is that a date i don't know huh, it doesn't mean weird. anything to me yeah all right let's talk about how fox is dealing with the new reality other than you know falling in the ratings a little bit uh Thinking about, I think, replacing their CEO is is one of the rumors going around. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, they, they do still have to fill 24 hours of news every day. And they have a pretty clear strategy, Miles, you were saying. It just seems, you know, it's like we everyone knew this right. going into uh, Biden being inaugurated. It's like, watch this second the clock changes and Biden's president that COVID is suddenly going to be a thing that a president is responsible for. And yeah. how dare he let 15,000 people die in his for whatever stat they were throwing out there. Like, like clockwork because it's, it's, it's all horseshit. And they started, you know, tallying these daily deaths as like part of like, you know, their sort of graphic package every day. And, you know, by pivoting and making that a thing to like rally the no brain supporters around, they can really create this like disingenuous narrative they can take into midterms, which is pandemic is so out of control, Joe Biden. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> while actively having like a huge hand in exacerbating like the behaviors of people that is making this uh, pandemic really hard to contain um, yeah. on top of obviously the lack of financial support for people. I mean, that will always be an unsaid thing that is known. Um, but more specifically with Fox's hand, they're really like, they're, they're really good at riling these people up. So that's why this Hannity clip from um, Tuesday night really stuck out because He's openly questioning the vaccine to his millions of viewers when before when when Trump was president, they're like, thank God the vaccine is coming. If you remember, this is very clear. And I think Pfizer announced that they had it just to screw the president over. Blah, blah. Yep. So the vaccine was good then. But cut to now when Joe Biden is president. And then this is what you get. All right. I don't know when my number gets called. I'm actually beginning to have doubts. I've been telling my friends I'm going to get the vaccine. They, you know, half of them agree, and the other half think I'm absolutely nuts. They wouldn't take it in a million years. I don't know who to listen to. <laughs> I don't know. Why do you get all weird, know. drunk, folksy stuff? I couldn't stop. I couldn't help myself but make the like, like <laughs> the face he was making. It's just like real, like let me level with you, folks. Like, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. I don't, I don't, I don't believe him, but I do want to imagine someone be like, "Vaccine? That's nuts!" Like, I just <laughs> right. Yeah. Take half of his friends, a full half of his friends. It's like, yeah, his like life is like a Benny Hill fucking sketch. <laughs> like, <laughs> vaccine? No. And then they're like, scientists like, you better take it, Sean. Uh, it's fucking chaotic. But yeah, this is what he's saying to. Because you know this is what happens. They say stuff like this, and then it's going to end up in the weird chain emails your aunt sends you, being like, well, you know, I don't know about the vaccine, though, you know, because Hannity's openly questioning it. And it seems like that's in a really effective tactic, you know, just to keep, yeah. to prolong the pain of the pandemic because it's going to affect the economy, which you're like, well, they bludgeon Trump because he doesn't know how to do anything, that they're all 
it's just become so cynical. Even more, I mean, it's always been down this path. But when you have a vaccine that even Godhead Robert Rupert Murdoch took, that right. you're still gonna do it. It's like, come the fuck on, like just just relax. What is yeah. this? But that's what they want to do. Well, he took it, and look, his ratings went down, man. Uh, I'm just saying. Yeah, that's you. You act like those things are unconnected. I do wonder because they spent so much time be acting like the pandemic was overrated to the point that uh, people, you know, were willing to put their life lives on the line and, uh, you know, protest in grocery stores and die, catch COVID and die and you know with their dying breaths tweet Trump twenty twenty. Uh, <laughs> I do, I do wonder. Like that has to be at least partially responsible for the drop in their their viewership, right? They're like no longer presenting a coherent per, like version of the world. I feel like even like before, at least they were presenting one that all held together, but was right. you know obviously uh, completely corrupt and self serving. Uh, but now it's like they, their facts are kind of all over the place and it's not, it's not clear like what, how these things can both be true. Right. Yeah. And I also think that a lot of that, like, you know, the things like the, like, yeah, exactly. Things like also the, you know, calling Arizona during the election. Right. Like there was, I think that one Fox news is so happy Biden's in office cause it's just someone to push against, but they start, I feel like they also started to lose ratings cause they just wouldn't go full ass crazy the way yeah. OAN would right. or like, right. Like they would be Here's like, Max. okay, we can't say that we need to uh, murder all the Democrats. And people were like, all right, we're done with you liberals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. But I think Biden's back now. They could be like, you know, everything's communism, everything's socialism because they don't have to condemn Trump anymore. So people I think will come back. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's you know, it's a hard energy to keep up the bloodthirst. You know, what I mean, after yeah. a while, you if you were really on like there are people who clearly have an agenda and those are the people who <laughs> that need to be looked out of or watched out for. Um, but there are also people who like you can tell just were they were riding this wave. And some people like, you know, because I'm already seeing even on like my my uh, reports from Facebook that I get from other people that, like, you know, this. There's some like kind of like not talking as loud anymore. And I think like a lot of people are trying to figure like, do I want to be like so angry that I want to kill people every day energy yeah. or do I want to because just as much as like liberals want to get back to brunch, I'm sure there are conservatives who also want to get back to their daily consumption culture with a yeah. tinge of de facto white supremacy. Right. Um, but yeah, like it's it's I'm, I'm curious to see how those numbers end up because, yeah, Jack, to your point, like before Fox at least had like. Linda Lafian levels of world building that you could operate within. And you're like, yes, this, of course, what you're saying is Linda different. Lafayette. I already know this from season three. Like, that's true. But now right. we're like in the later seasons of Lost. Of Lost. Where it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, what the fuck? So, yeah, I don't know how that, how that works out uh, in the long run. But the yep. polar bears. Yeah. Yeah. They were dead the whole time. <laughs> it was bullshit the whole time. Always was. So nothing matters. Yep. Yeah. Nothing matters. I mean, that's how we felt for a long time, too. Uh, anybody <laughs> who wasn't. Oh, so nothing matters. It's all just. Yeah. All right. Let's take a, another quick break and we'll come back and talk about James Bond. Maybe. And we're back. Uh, and yeah, let's talk about this James Bond movie because uh, our, our writer, J.M. McNabb, is speculating that maybe it's just that this movie is so profoundly cursed and we're all just uh, suffering the consequences of of how badly <laughs> cursed this movie uh, is. Like the pandemic was created as a result of whatever curse wow. was put on this movie. Right. Um, so he just gave he gave us a rundown of sort of where uh, where we started and where we're at now because they just uh, announced that they're pushing it back yet again to the point that now they have to uh, probably do reshoots because the technology is now out of date uh, from when they first shot the movie. Um, Wasn't it supposed to come out? Before the pandemic? It like, was. It was supposed to come out November 2019. <laughs> oh, 
No. So, oh my god! Uh, if it was supposed to come out then, yeah, the product place was fucked. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's now looking at October eighth, twenty twenty one. So it's interesting because it started with this piece of uh, consumer culture that I don't understand, but is becoming more prevalent where uh, people who are fans of a thing really like are, are most in like it used to be that you didn't want the band you liked to succeed because then all the uh, fake ass fans would come along and you'd be like, I don't like them anymore. But now it's like (laughs) you will like the, the two heads of the two biggest James Bond fan sites on the internet we're imploring the studio to delay the release uh, from April until the summer of 2020 because they didn't want it to fail due to the pandemic. They were like making business decisions <laughs> to try and like in- expand the audience. Oh, because the summer we were, we were going to be out of the woods. And yeah. Everyone was back yeah. in the movies. Yeah. Um, but. Wishful. It's almost impressive how like fucked the movie was from the beginning. <laughs> uh, so it was originally scheduled, like I said, to come out November 19th, 2019, uh, delayed after the original director, Danny Boyle, quit due to creative differences. Uh, apparently, his script ideas were, uh, according to sources, quote, crazy and quote, madcap. And rumor had it he wanted to kill off James Bond. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Which... I actually really like that idea because this being Daniel Craig's last movie, like officially you can like, I I like the fan theory that James Bond is actually a code name. That's why the actor keeps changing is because they're, they are all different people inhabiting this role that was created for MI6 called James Bond. Uh, But that doesn't really fit within the uh, universe of the movie. What is a Danny Boyle? James Bond dying scene look like? Is he like ODing <laughs> on heroin or something? Like, yeah, I'm curious, yeah. like how dark, just like, alcohol not action poisoning. related. Yeah, because tr- you know, like, because in the first one, what was the first uh, uh, 007 with Daniel Craig, Casino Royale? Yeah, yes, yeah. right. And that one was like, oh shit, like he's kind of fucked up, huh? You know what I yeah. mean? And like that, I feel like that helped everybody be like, yo, this new James Bond actually takes it serious. Like, what if a guy killed a bunch of people and got all these women killed and drank a ton and kind of didn't have a lot of therapy? Uh, this is where you end up. So yeah, that would have been, I, I would have been interested in seeing that. that yeah. Cool. Um. So their next choice was awesome. True Detectives, Carrie Fukunaga. But then Daniel Craig injured himself during filming, had to get ankle surgery, uh, a controlled explosion on set. Uh, this is a separate incident. Wasn't so controlled and ended up injuring a crew member and damaging the sound stage. Uh, and then there were rumors that there was a mutiny on the set because Fukunaga was constantly missing work in order to play his PlayStation, uh, which he denied. He said that his quote was, as for my PS4 relationship, if my Red Dead Redemption 2 progress is any indication, it's been stunted at 63% for months, and if anyone spoils the end for me before I wrap B25, I'm going to be pissed. So, oh, uh, Okay, that doesn't... That sounds B25. like you were playing... Yeah. Sounds like you were playing Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, what you should have been directing. Like, oh. <laughs> the progress argument? Really? I mean, yeah. can you do you have screen caps of your progress before? Because <laughs> it could just be that you're stalling out trying to achieve something and you're at 63 percent. Whatever. I mean, we don't I need just, gamer forensics to enter, but I like, though, that like it went that like you're directing a James Bond movie, but you're like, no, nah, man, nah, I just got a new hat. Like, I need, to, I, need <laughs> yeah. to, I need to keep going around for a little bit. They're like the online mode just came out. I think it would be a moonshiner. You can make more money. It's not as fun, but you definitely get more money to buy stuff for your character. Look at my guy. He's so fucked up looking, huh? Uh, also, that anyway. seems so long ago. That's another testament to like, how long this movie's been in production. Red Dead Redemption 2? Uh, like, oh, fuck. Years that is ago. That's so long. Yeah. <laughs> Grace Jones was brought in for a cameo, uh, quit on the spot because she didn't like the size of her role. Uh, and then after all of that, the pandemic hit, couldn't be released. Apple and Netflix offered to buy the movie, uh, but MGM wanted $600 million. And so they didn't 
do that. Jeez. But a big so the the reshoots is actually kind of a big deal because the movie is like all James Bond movies are at least partially uh funded by product placement. Uh Heineken supposedly paid forty five million dollars to have Daniel Craig sip their beer uh at that in that one of the Daniel Craig James Bonds, I don't even remember. But uh, so there's like Nokia devices that he's using, uh, which are already outdated and <laughs> uh, look very old <laughs> by the time the movie comes out. So they're going to have to reshoot or use. Uh, they've actually like digitally altered a shot from the trailer to update the Nokia equipment. So maybe they can just do that for the whole movie, but I'm sure like what for cars, you're not going to be able to like completely <laughs> update the car to like this year's model. To... Uh, I love it. I love yeah. that shit. You know what I mean? Like just that second, those, those secondary deliverables you have as a production. You're like, dude, Oh fuck. The Nokia <laughs> yeah. the deal. Right. Fuck. Ah, <laughs> uh, sh- what does the new one look like? It's completely <laughs> fucking different. Oh my god! It's not. It, it, we might as well just eat the fucking lawsuit because it's going to cost more to try and reshoot with the fucking phone. Like, yeah. I'm, it says sounds this so funny. Like whoever's figuring that out in real time, I just feel so awful for. But also, they're probably being paid exorbitant sums of money. So, do you? They're they're probably being paid, but the special effects person that they're putting it on is right. definitely yeah. not being paid. They're it's like the same uh, guy who had to replace Superman's mustache in right. Justice League. <laughs> Yeah, and like the, the studio's like doxing that VFX artist because it's so bad. Like, I don't know, man. You should check out this guy. Here's his email. Like, I don't know. You should ask him what the hell was going on with that, huh? That's weird. Oh, man. Oh, uh, well, I, I I hope it comes out uh, yeah. and it, it it's incident free, but oh, well. Have we still, have, have they even figured out who the next James Bond was? Or was that always just going to be a so. controversial thing because they mentioned someone that was not a white cisgendered man? I think right. the second. I yeah. think that there was like a lot of talk about it. I think because Daniel Craig, it sounded for a bit like he might have not even done this one. Like, yeah. wasn't there like a big talk about that? So yeah. I think that he came back and then they're like, well, we'll address that later when people forget. Yeah, right. right. He w- sounded like as nihilistic as any movie star has ever sounded about like a role. It was like, I hate this role. James Bond needs to die. And then like immediately did a 180. It was very, very <laughs> funny to see. Is that Nokia um, check landed on his doorstep? Yeah. The the mustache thing that you just referenced, is that is, that's a real story, right? Yeah, that's Henry a real Cavill? story. Yeah. That really happened. You can see that on YouTube. The basically they uh he wouldn't shave his mustache for I think Mission um, Impossible. when he was doing Mission Impossible, right? Right. The most and, important part of that character was the mustache. So And they needed to do a reshoot. He wouldn't shave it. And so Warner had to pay someone to re- like digitally erase a mustache in the shot because he's Superman and Superman usually doesn't have like a Freddie Mercury mustache. (laughs) Um, So, but the thing is, it almost looks, it looks almost like they just took clay and just wrapped it over his lip. So it still has like the contours of a mustache a little bit. Right. It just looks flesh covered and like the mouth moving looks, it looks, it looks like if you and I, downloaded Maya and did like a two hour training video on it and then replaced footage of Superman. Right. <laughs> just got a Ken doll mouth all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Just let him rock the mustache. Be like, hey, I forgot to shave, man. If you knew how fast this thing grows, like you'd have a whole movie of me just shaving. Okay, let's move on. Guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I was going to say that that would hurt his ability to disguise himself as Clark Kent, but it's not like <laughs> any other part of his face is covered up uh, other than his eyes. Yeah. So, um, does anyone done a like a funny mockumentary about like Clark Kent's coworkers putting together that he was Superman? Right, just like uh, knowing. Yeah. That guy is Superman. No I don't kidding. think he's Superman. That doesn't I don't know. Let's look at a side-by-side photo. It's him, you fucking idiot. But he has glasses, <laughs> glasses. and that guy has a cool curl. Right. <laughs> they it's... do. Uh, some Supermans change the side that his hair is parted on uh, because like having it parted, <laughs> sweeping from left to right is alpha, so that's what Superman has. But uh, Clark Kent has it parted the other way, as if he combs his hair with his left hand, which is uh, some beta shit, obviously. <laughs> but I just, I, I love fucking the Gavin idea. Gavin McGinnis write the lore about fucking Clark Kent or something. <laughs> what the fuck is that? 
but I I love the idea that Superman like most of the time is spent not like taking the thing off, but like re fixing his hair as people are like about to die. He's like in the mirror, like, Oh shit. Don't look like a cock. You idiot. <laughs> Wait a minute. Superman's hair's parted on the wrong side. That's not the real Superman. <laughs> it's super cuck. Get him. <laughs> All right. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk. Ellen. Ellen has one year left on her contract for a show uh, about, Six months from now, negotiations will begin uh, to discuss the future of the show. Uh, but it seems like she may have had enough bullying uh, from other people to on her yeah. uh, for now. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. tired. In, in this page six article, which already right, look, we've like, these tabloids they've been they've been taking us for a ride the last couple of weeks. I mean, especially with that heartbreaking revelation that Jane Krakowski was not in fact with Michael Lindell, <laughs> but I'm a Michael Lindell Krakowski truther. So that, that love story will go on in my heart. Um, but yeah, the whole thing with this is, you know, she owns the rights to the show. So she's basically in fu- fully in control of what happens. You know, yeah. like she doesn't have to like, they, they can't be like, well, we're renewing it and it's our show. So you got to do it or fuck off. She's like, nah, I don't have to do that. And the uh, reports in page six seem to be about it's all the exposure and fucking accountability around her mistreatment of people that yeah. is wearing her down. And she just wants to go to Elysium with all the other bajillionaires in the sky <laughs> and just not be bothered by it anymore. Um so yeah, that's where she's at. And then like in the article, like, well, who will take the throne? Apparently Kelly Clarkson has been eating into her ratings since the summer. Not yeah. like in a huge way, but that I guess when you're measuring where the the audiences are shifting, Kelly Clarkson maybe the new Ellen, I guess maybe not. I mean, I don't know. Kelly's yeah, a I've star. Heard, I've heard Kelly Clarkson. I've heard Drew Barrymore. And part of me also like my conspiracy theory head thinks that maybe like Kelly Clarkson or Drew Barrymore's people are the one that see that article of Ellen thinking of leaving. Right. Oh, wow. they're the ones who. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who seeded oh. all the all the things? Ellen's actually really <laughs> sweet to everybody behind the scenes, and uh, she's like, they "What's going on? The whole thing. <laughs> no one believes me." Um, <laughs> Drew Barrymore, man, fucking master tech- tactician. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying though, we we've we've been fooled for decades, yeah. and then the knife comes out. That yeah. fir- those first couple episodes were a little rocky, though. The yeah. Drew Barrymore Drew's? show, I, yeah. Oh, I boy, didn't watch. They it. were blowing up for all the wrong reasons. Oh, just really? like chaotic show. Yeah. yeah, just weird. It was like, does anybody making this show know what a talk show is? <laughs> or okay, cool. But I kind of liked it about it because it felt like it almost felt like someone like as much as the cliche is like we just made a show in our basement, but with a budget. That's what it feels like as a show. <laughs> right, like it's, right, for it's, sure. like it's I have one friend who does food segments on it, and they're like, they just went like, hey, do you want to come on and test snacks? And he was like, sure. <laughs> so like. <laughs> Like, it feels like it's a podcast with a ton of TV money. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. One of these networks, do that over here. We can yeah. do snack tests. Yeah. We're already doing I, passive product placement anyway because we're yeah. so consumer-brained from being Americans. Your, your so. product placement for weed at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that and then, like, just talking ad nauseum about Talk Baja about Blast. Baja Blast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's... We're we're shills for sure. Um, <laughs> for fucking Pepsi. Yeah, I can be ill prepared with the best of them. You heard my take on the stock market up top. That's <laughs> right, and that's what a, the Drew Barrymore segment felt like. But th- it is a thing. I would watch them though. To your point, Mike, because it's it's so different. It's like just such yeah. a depart. You're like, yeah, I guess this. I'm like in my mind, I had to come around to like, I guess this is what it would be if Drew Barrymore had a talk show, like more realistically than a host that happens to be Drew Barrymore. Yes. Yeah. It almost feels a little bit like between two ferns, but it's not a joke. Like it's like being run seriously. Like, I mean, she's having fun with it. She's not dead serious, but like sense of like, Oh, this is weird. Right. And it's like authentically weird. Yeah. There, there is this overall trend I've, I've seen like in a couple places where celebrities who have come under criticism for being bad humans are are now like really bitter they like know they can't come out and say it but like i was just (laughs) noticing bill simmons on his pod on an ad on his show so i've heard it like a dozen times talks about how steph curry put up 62 points in response to his haters on social media 
And he was like, hey, man, I know how it feels. That's what social media is for, people to criticize people more successful than them uh, because he caught shit for hiring a bunch of like white dudes and uh, yeah. for his like very white dude, 50-year-old uh, economic and racial politics on a sports show. Uh, <laughs> but he, he takes it as like, they're just haters who don't like my success, man. Um, oh. It's, yeah, when, it's brutal. Beware anybody who starts just uh, redefines accountability as haters. Yeah, yeah. That's that's yep. when you that's when you cross the Rubicon into bullshit. Like you've fully you're like that's when you always notice like oh you're not you're no longer willing to even hold a place in your mind where someone could have an opinion that like okay that's an, that might be valid or that's an interesting right. viewpoint on something versus the blanket oh they're just haters you know what I mean they're just that's what they do. They're just haters. They hate that I'm a white supremacist. That's mm. what it is. It's a bunch <laughs> of haters. And be like, what? And finally, let's talk uh, Disney's Hall of Presidents uh, at Disney World, which is... Which is open? <laughs> I guess so. Did yeah. they get out? Well, <laughs> they, they've escaped and it's bad news for Floridians. So... I guess it's closed right now as they're updating it with a uh, Robo Biden, but I, I hadn't really <laughs> followed like the Trump bot has already been a huge problem for Disney and the attraction now requires live human security guards uh, because of the heckling and derision that Trump gets. Um, and they added large spikes near the stage to protect, to protect the animatronic Trump. Which is very Jeez. Um, wild. Like I mean, like anti-tank hedgehogs on D-Day. Like, <laughs> <making> <laughs> like, like just keep people from what the fuck. <laughs> I I love the idea of the happiest place on earth installing spikes to keep you yeah. away from something. <laughs> it's just like they let a tiny little bit of politics through, and it's just like <laughs> explodes. Oh, just have like George Washington give a little speech and then Abraham Lincoln waves and get out. Like we don't need the the current president speaking. Yeah. They yeah. apparently Trump's robot waxes poetically about America which isn't just like a false representation of him as a president. Uh it's not what he wanted to record for Disney. Uh <laughs> according to one of his aides, Trump tried to brag about his private real estate business and make inaccurate claims while recording the speech he sent to Disney and they had to like edit around it. Um <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the the era of Trump comedy is over, but that's so funny to me imagining him in a recording booth and they're like this will take 15 minutes, sir. <laughs> Just just say the line and it taking eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't you think constant they back know? and forth? It's like that episode of The Crown where Thatcher is like has to give a take on apartheid, and they're like, right. "What about this one?" He's like, "No, no, got to no, talk about no, Trump no. steaks. Got to talk about Trump steaks in this one. Sorry, it's a no go." <laughs> like you have fucking Abraham Lincoln talking about the Civil War, and then you get the fucking salesman Trump, the robot. <laughs> Fuck. Ugh. They're not good with politics, huh? Maybe Disney's just keep yeah. their fucking head yeah. out of this shit forever they're thinking yeah. of uh, history instead of doing that they're thinking of rebranding the attraction uh and there were rumors that they were going to completely overhaul it with input of lin-manuel miranda and weird al uh which you I, know what fine that would be like, yeah. yeah i would fine. take that please fine sure let's just, fine. <laughs> let's just talented, do something yeah, Two talented musicians and a guy who famously doesn't say bad words. Like that feels what much more wholesome <laughs> yeah. to me than fucking anything. But yeah, sure. fine. Great. Disney always gets the the great musicians in the end. They might be giants. They they got them. Yep. <laughs> hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. That's the <laughs> that's one of my kids' favorite songs. It's the Disney uh Mickey Mouse like clubhouse theme song by They Might Be Giants. Uh I wonder what current musicians will will be Disney musicians in the future. Oh, jeez. Chance, Oof. maybe? I don't oh, know. yeah. I could see Chance the Rapper doing kid rap. Mm. Oh, yeah. I feel like, I feel like you, you have a family phase. In, yeah. in like, <laughs> yeah. Once you hit like, your Look, 50s yeah. in rap, you have your like five years of like, we're going to make kids movies and we're going to make some fun music and then we're back to real. Exactly. Right. Like if, if Ice Cube can go from NWA to Are We There Yet, 
Right. And, you know, West Side Gun and the whole Griselda gang could be doing fucking kids bop versions of fucking all the hits. And Cardi <laughs> yeah. B is going to be the new Mr. Rogers. Like, it, it, it's, yeah. it, look, at the end of the day, it's about a check. And if someone's willing to be like, hey, gangster guy, you want to be a, in, a, in a kid movie for money? Like, uh, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. No, for sure. It's, I mean, and also, like, you know, when you grew up and you were 15 listening to a rapper and you're you know, 36 and you have kids, you're, you still like that rapper. Yeah. yeah right. Of course. You know, you're like, where's would... DMX's daddy daycare? I want to watch mean, that. Like, DMX <laughs> did that Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer cover and people loved it. Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> How the fuck did I miss that? DMX did a Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer cover? Yeah. A couple of years ago, but it's on Spotify now. Oh, shit. This um, is like when he wasn't using the, a computer at all, and he just like got kind of sober. And every like every radio station he went to, people were being like, "Let's make a viral video, of DMX. Just get him to read this thing, or ask him if he knows about Google." Right? Because there's that. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck is Google? Google? Huh? <laughs> and you're like, okay, uh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> uh, well, Mike, it's been so fun having you, man. Where can uh, people find you, follow you, read you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Drucker. M-I-K-E-D-R-U-C-K-E-R. I'm on Instagram at Mike Drucker is dead because the other name was taken. <laughs> and uh, wa- please watch Full Frontal with Samantha B. 1030 uh, Wednesdays on TBS. And also uh, read my book, Silent Hill from Boss Fight Books. Yeah, boom, yeah. Boom. And, where, are you, uh, where are you at on the charts? Because I know you were watching yourself on the charts. I, uh, I think 10? this morning I was number seven on video game books, which is actually pretty good because all of them are like Minecraft books. They're like oh, weirdly, vaguely horny teenage Minecraft books. So to <laughs> right. even rise a little bit feels good. Yeah, to break through all that Minecraft noise for sure. Is, mm-hmm. the, is the Minecraft books are like fan fiction type thing? Like There's where- a lot that are fan. Uh, Amazon's very loosey-goosey with like, fan fiction publishing and so right. some are fan fiction and some are like official uh novelizations so it's a mixture of the two got it it's not like how to be good at minecraft it's like this person right. in the that's world that's what of the prima guides are for jack yeah. Yeah. yeah uh and is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying yes uh my favorite tweet of all time i need to i need to find it because i had it up and then it went away give me a second there we go uh do you guys know dc pearson yeah he was in that comedy group Derek. um so there's a tweet that i think about maybe i don't know uh once a week and it's from 2018 and he posts (laughs) a picture of a snack called goji maka snackaroons and what he writes above it is i I sent you two to whack that freaking guy, and instead you screwed it up like a couple of, and then it says Goji Maka Snackaroons. <laughs> and it always makes me laugh. Just the idea of Goji Maka sa- Snackaroons being like an Italian insult. <laughs> a couple of Goji Maka Snackaroons. Told you to whack these guys. A bunch of. <laughs> I always laugh at it. It's so funny. <laughs> Calling me a Goji Maka Snackaroon? <laughs> <laughs> you fucking Snackaroon. Uh-huh. Miles, where can people find you? What's tweet you've been enjoying? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Miles of Gray. Uh, also, 420 Day Fiance, the other podcast. If you want to talk about 90 Day Fiance and the aforementioned cannabis. Some tweets that I like, both from Reductress. I haven't I haven't shown my love to my favorite uh, headline writers over there at Reductress. First one, at Reductress. By the time I get vaccinated, will it even be cool anymore? That's true. This like is a woman at her That's laptop so being funny. like so grossed out. And then another one from Reductress: How to love yourself, even though the tattoo artist didn't post a pic of your tattoo. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. I know, I know people who have gone, you know, like in the before times, uh, who are like, I'm gonna go to this artist or whatever. Like, I've been doing a lot of research. I want it. I want this piece by this artist. And then like they don't post it, and I'm like, yo, where's the thing? And like, I, don't, I don't. I think. I think they gotta wait, or maybe they want to wait till it's like fully done and healed or something. So, ugh, the pain of the tattoo artist. Mm. That's so no. funny. Couple tweets I've been enjoying. One from Rob Delaney. Pro tip: You can probably fit five or six honeyed hams with you in your coffin if they cut your legs off. Uh, <laughs> and then Andy Ryan tweeted: Two elderly British ladies greeting each other. And it's a bag that says aloe vera on it, aloe vera. <laughs> and the other one says evening primrose oil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> primrose 
You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on Miles. What are we riding out on today? Just more easy background tunes, you know, but for the hip-hop heads, you'll probably recognize this one because this is from Cal Jader, the fucking marimba mallet vibraphone god. It's called Aquarius. And if you're a fan of the Tribe Called Quest album, Midnight Marauders, keep keep bouncing. Uh, oh, you might remember it from that. So, yeah, check that out. All Cal Jader shit is really dope uh, if you're into that jazz. So let's take it there. Uh, all right, we're going to ride out on that. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for this morning. We'll be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.